You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Oh! It is Cantor. What are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago and host of the 312 Show on AM 1590 WCGO. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked on Bulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369. Drop us a text, voicemail, anywhere you're listening to the show, wherever you're listening to the, the show. 331-979-1369, the place to do that. Matt, welcome back. Happy Thursday to you and to all of our Bulls listeners out there. I know you're probably a little bit groggy. I know we're recording this mid-afternoon here, but uh, first of the West Coast trips last night, so obviously you had to stay up. I stayed up and watched the Portland game, but uh, our Bulls fans over the next 10 days or so are going to have to bear the these late nights of 9, 9.30 tip-offs and maybe not even going to bed till maybe past midnight. But how you doing? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Yeah, uh... Did, definitely slept in a little bit today after that late night for uh, for Outsiders last night. And uh, we got another one on deck tomorrow. We got a 9.30 tip-off against the Warriors, and that's the first of a back-to-back. They got to play Utah on Saturday. I believe that's another 9 o'clock tip-off, another 9.30 against the Lakers a few days after that. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is the tough part of the schedule, not just for the Bulls, but for their fans who are diehard and are trying to watch every game of the season like you and I. So, uh, you know, it's unfortunate if you have to stay up late to watch those West Coast games and the Bulls, uh, you know, don't get a win out of it. At least the Bulls hung with, uh, you know, a pretty good Blazers team that is especially good at home. It doesn't seem like the Bulls have had much luck playing in Portland in recent years, and they're not alone in that. But, uh, at, you know, the last time the Bulls played the Blazers, McCollum dropped 50 points on him in three quarters. So at least they didn't do that, uh, or at least that didn't happen to them, I should say. But, I, I mean, 
It was nice to see the Bulls hang with them for more than a half of basketball. The the Blazers kind of pulled away late as uh, the Bulls' offense sputtered along, and the Bulls' defense kind of had a no-show last night. And that, to me, was the disappointing thing about last night's game because we've been trying to to rely on Boylan improving this defense, whether it's the effort or the you know the execution. And we're saying, well, we'll see where the offense goes, but at least let's try and give Boylan some credit for the defense. The defensive improvement was there for a while, but it's kind of fallen back over the last handful of games. The Bulls gave up 124 to the Blazers last night, uh, and they were, you know, getting all kinds of looks. And really, it was the the Blazers' second unit that absolutely crushed the Bulls, whose second unit has really struggled recently. I mean, Zach Collins and Seth Curry combined for like 35, 36 points, something like that. And uh, it didn't really necessarily matter that we didn't have a huge night from Lillard, McCollum, or Yusuf Nurkic. Those guys all had decent games, and uh, the Blazers' bench really are the ones who, who put this out of reach in the third quarter. You mentioned Yusuf Nurkic. He would have killed the Bulls had he not picked up three and four right after the half, right? He had 18 points at that point, and then he was pretty quiet after that, but they didn't really need him at that point. You had mentioned the bench coming on, lighting it up. Um, I was impressed, though. The Bulls had one bad quarter. They had one bad quarter. That second quarter, they sputtered on offense. They only scored 22 points. I mean, when you when you let a Portland team come out of the half and score 39 points, things like this are going to happen. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's kind of expected too. It's like you look across the bench that the Bulls have. Like you can't rely on Antonio Blakeney, Archie Diakno, Harrison, Wayne Seldon, Robin Lopez, Cristiano Felicio, any of those dudes to try to compete in heavy minutes with any other second unit in the NBA. I mean, outside of maybe the bottom three in the NBA, Lowry Markkinen didn't have a great night. I think it's fair to, you know, we criticize the other core pieces on this team. They aren't having great great nights. And Lowry Markin, I thought, was a case last night where the shot wasn't really going down. And to his kind of credit, the Bulls weren't really looking for him either. And shots weren't really falling. Chris Dunn, Zach Levine were kind of the mainstays of the offense last night, whether you like that or not. So what would you think about Lowry Markkinen's game last night? Yeah, I was frustrated by by Lowry's game last night. Um, 4 of 12 uh, is what he finished with, 0 of 3 from downtown. He had a couple of drives to the basket where he recognized he could beat his guy off the dribble out around the perimeter and just glided in for an easy two. Uh, and we were kind of talking on Outsiders last night about how it's frustrating when you see Markkinen show the ability to do that but not do it frequently. Last night was another example of a game in which Markkinen got off to a slow start, didn't really look for you know, uh, his uh, his places to put his emphasis on the game, put his mark on the game early offensively, while you know Levine was trying to get his stuff going, Dunn was trying to get his stuff going, and... You could look for the bright spots. You know, Wendell had one of his better nights offensively, uh, another 20-point game for him. But, you know, we talk about having patience with Wendell and his development on the offensive end. Right now, this season, in his second season, we really want to see Markkinen become uh, a guy who could dominate offensively. We see glimpses of it. But last night, as you mentioned, some of it is on Markkinen's teammates not finding him in the right spots and we've talked about Levine not having great court vision and the fact that he's not really used to being that facilitator role 
And even sometimes Chris Dunn, I think, has issues with recognizing when they can take advantage of marketing and mismatches. But some of it also falls on Lowry himself because there were a couple of times last night and one in particular instance that I noticed that and it was something that Stacey King also took notice of in the broadcast uh, and used his telestrator coming out of a commercial break was there was one marking and mismatch where he had an undersized guard on him. I can't remember which Blazers guard, but he had a mismatch on a guard um, from from the right block. And instead of just backing him down and overpowering him, which is really a part of marketing's game we haven't seen much of yet, he ended up just kind of like taking a fadeaway baseline jumper. And you're saying there are instances where Markkanen's teammates need to do a better job of getting him involved, but there are also instances where Markkanen needs to recognize that he has a physical advantage over somebody and attack the basket. Because as I said, we've seen Markkanen attack the basket, and he could do so when he's beating bigger guys off the dribble from the perimeter, but when he's got the mismatches down closer to the rim... He also has to use those opportunities to attack the basket, and he didn't really do that last night. Matt, I'm going to make it a point over the next day or two to try to compile because I feel like that's a theme. Since Markkinen's return from his injury, that's a shot he continues to take, and that's a trend. I, I've said it before. It's like he's relied now on kind of that 8-10 to 10 fadeaway shot that when he's backing a guy down, instead of instead of making a move towards the basket, he just either... Turns, faces the basket, fades away, leans into the shots, tries to put up like a little baby hook or something. And instead of going to the basket, he relies on just staying and relies with his short jumper. And it's more times than not, it doesn't work. And so that, I don't know if it's an issue or if it's him just not feeling comfortable about, comfortable about going towards the basket, but I agree. That's another issue too. And it's been, it's been a theme. He's done that in a few different games where he's had mismatches before and he just, he settles. He settles, and sometimes he makes the shots, and in, in other cases, like you had mentioned, he doesn't make the shots. So, um, Another person that you had mentioned last in last night's game was Wendell Carter Jr., and I want to shout out to one of our listeners who tweeted at us a couple hours ago, um, Wendell Carter Jr. He said, since Wendell Carter Jr.'s benching a week ago or so, where everybody was super angry at Boylan, he said, only a three-game sample size, small sample size, but he's averaging 14.3 points, seven rebounds on 65% shooting, compared to his 10.8, 5.8, and 53.53% shooting for the season. Hasn't been in foul trouble and attempted a three each game. Yes, agreed. Since the benching, small sample size, Wendell Carter Jr. has responded and has played really well in the last three games. What did you think about him last night? It was really nice to see that kind of game from Wendell. You and I have talked about having patience with him this season and knowing that he's probably not going to, on a nightly basis, be a focal point of the offense uh, because you have Markkinen and Levine and Dunn, the three core guys before Wendell's arrival, trying to get going and develop their own chemistry because of the the season they endured last year where Levine sat out with the ACL and Dunn was hurt and Markkinen missed a handful of games here and there and then Dunn and Levine were shut down, um, you know, with a month and change left in the season. So that was always going to be the focal point for the Bulls offensively this season. Now that we've started to see a boiling led offense and we make jokes about how when Rolo's in the game, it's feed Rolo the ball in the post and, and you know, it's good for a laugh, but we're also concerned about the, the slower pace of Boylan's offense. At the same time, if, if Boylan is going to look to get Wendell some of those kind of looks, 
as a part of this starting unit's offense, I think you and I are, are, are thrilled to see that, that kind of performance from Wendell last night where he was recognizing that he had the ability to bully some guys down low. And when you start to get some easy buckets around the rim, and some of it was Wendell sniffing around, he got a couple of offensive boards and a couple of putbacks. He also just did some nice work around the basket, mid-range in the paint. And then the confidence starts to build from that. Because we also saw last night for one of, I can only say, maybe two or three other times this season, Wendell confidently shoot and knock down a three. Uh, it was a corner three. And um, if if Wendell can actually start to make that a part of his offensive game more confidently, look, I, right now, and I said this on Outsiders last night too, I think it's more important and would be more beneficial for the Bulls if Dunn could become a confident three-point shooter more so than Wendell. And we'll get to Wendell's three-point game as he develops. He's still very young, but... I mean, if you talk about Markkinen and Wendell both being able to knock down threes, then all of a sudden so many things open up for this Bulls first unit offensively. But we really haven't seen Wendell do that confidently, and I think it's because he's been struggling to feel confident even with his offensive game around the rim. So all of the different things we saw from Wendell last night, including shooting a three and making it, is is a positive sign moving forward. Totally agree with you in the fact that... I think it's it's more important right now to turn Chris Dunn into a better three-point shooter than it is Wendell. The last time Wendell, so since making that three last night, the last time he hit a three was November 7th against the Pelicans. He was one for two there, so it's been quite a while since Wendell's knocked down a three. And look, he was quoted after the game, too, saying basically like, hey, like, it's a part of my game that I'm working on and I want to feel more comfortable and I'm working on it before and after practices and the stroke feels good and it's just something that I'm going to have to build on. And he's, look, this is what we got to realize and I think a lot of us have to just take a deep breath for a second and realize that the kid isn't overnight going to just all of a sudden learn how to do all of these things. And just because he knocks one down here and he's he's taking these that all of a sudden he's going to shoot these at a high clip, Right. And just because he was doing it in college and had halfway decent success on a very, very low shot total, like it's going to take some time. So we all have to be super patient with that. But I do agree, and I think that's a great point, that focusing on Chris Dunn and if he's going to be taking a high volume of shots the way he has since he's returned from injury, I think it's it's crucial that he learns how to knock down threes and at a pretty decent clip, more so than Wendell, at least at this point. All right, I want to talk about Zach Levine, Matt. So I have this, I'm I'm trying trying to figure out what's going on with Zach Levine, with Chris Dunn, Lowry Markin, and when they're all all on the floor, how they're sharing shots, how they're distributing, kind of what their skill set is and I think that's the way that Bulls all Bulls fans feel and they're trying to we're, we're all trying to feel this out and see how these guys are playing together um I don't know if it if there's a certain part of the fan base that maybe feels like Zach Levine is a little ball hoggyish at times or if Chris Dunn's a little ball hoggyish at times and that's why Lowry Markkinen's shot total is like we saw last night at 12 I told people too that were sending me messages I'm like I'm not necessarily super concerned with a low shot total, especially with a night like Markkinen was having last night where shots were just not going down. But I think it is there is a a little bit of truth in the fact that both Levine and Dunn 
are a thousand percent better scoring with the ball in their hands. And at times, they sort of both get tunnel vision. You know, they, they don't see they don't see plays that aren't right in front of them. And so at times they miss guys. And we saw this even last year, right? With Chris Dunn and Lowry Markinen. Like Lowry would come up, set a pick for Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn would drive to the basket. Lowry would pop off, be wide the hell open for two or three seconds. Chris would totally miss him. Same thing with Zach. Last year he would do the same thing. And it would just be instances where, you know, that's part of learning and developing, but at the same time, it's like Chris and Lowry, or when I see Chris Dunn and Zach Levine both having 19 and 14 shots respectively, like that's okay with me, but at the same time, I want Lowry, like I've been telling people, I want Lowry around 14 shots a game, and if he's getting four, at least 14 shots a game, I'm cool with it. No, I, I don't think it's selfishness. There's a, there's this increasing trend on Bulls Twitter right now that Zach Levine is like a selfish ball hog player, and I, I don't agree with it. I think it is more the second thing you mentioned, which is just kind of a, a lack of awareness. I, As I said earlier, I don't think Levine has great court vision. I also think that Chris Dunn struggles at times to see where the right play is and recognize, oh, hey, Markinen has a mismatch on him right now. I need to get him the ball. Um, part of it, and this is something we've said, Markinen needs to be more vocal and more adamant about getting the ball in those situations. But I think Dunn and Levine both need to work on their court vision and their court awareness. It's not selfishness, in, in, in my opinion, for either player. And guess what? If Levine wants to take close to 20 shots a game, I'm okay with that because he's our highest paid player right now. He is a guy who we know has probably the highest offensive uh, ability of anybody on this team right now, and that includes Larry Markkinen. Levine can get his buckets and get his shots. I'm with you as far as where I want Markkinen's shot total to be, and I would probably say it's encouraging, or I would be more encouraged to, to see a consistent basis of Markkinen getting more shots than Dunn. Um, and Until Dunn becomes a more confident three-point shooter, as I said, Right now, he's a mid-range guy who can sometimes attack, and his finishing at the rim has gotten a little bit better, but it needs to get even better than it has been. So, to me, that's where it stands between those three guys as far as how you're running your offense and where your points are coming from. If, if Dunn is taking 10 shots a game, fine. Ideally, some of those become more confident behind the three-point line. Levine, shoot, shoot all you want. And if he has an off night, he has an off night. And last night, you can call an off night for Levine, 6-19 from the floor, and honestly, he was 4-5 from the free throw line and probably should have twat at, tw- shot at least twice as many free throws because Levine had a great start last night and then kind of fell off a cliff, but he didn't ghost. He didn't stop working and stop trying to get buckets in the second half. He was attacking the basket in the second half. He was creating contact attacking the basket. He just wasn't getting calls. And that's something that Levine has been dealing with all season long. He has not yet gotten the respect of NBA refs. So when he uses his ability and athleticism to drive and creates and initiates that contact, he got a lot of no calls last night. So if Levine has an off night or Levine has a night where he's not getting calls, to me that's not a worry. And I also, again, don't think he's a ball hog or don't think he's being selfish. He needs to look to create his own shot because the Bulls offense needs that. He does need to improve on his awareness and his court vision. That's what I think. You know, this is something that Levine, I think, has struggled with all year. The fact that he he doesn't get the same type of respect that maybe some other guys in the league do with the same type of skill set that he has. You know, driving like, to the basket. Luka Doncic shot 16 free throws last night. Yeah. A rookie, Luka Doncic. Like, come on. Like, I know James Harden is James Harden, but there are 
plenty of other people around the league getting a lot more respect as far as drawing free throws than Zach Levine right now. And it's it's kind of gross, actually. Th- that makes me mad that you even said that because I that that frustrates me to no end because I think about it on the other I think about it in the other respect of who the who the refs are giving foul calls to and who they're picking apart and then I think about Wendell and how badly he's been picking up ticky tack fouls all season and it's like you sit there and you're like dude the guy hasn't even like the guy hasn't even been on the floor for 45 seconds and he's picked up a foul and that that wasn't even a foul he was he was 10 feet away from the play and he picked up the foul so I, I don't know how to explain it. Like when you're a f- like potential fringe all-star, you should start to be, be be able to at least gain a little bit more respect to pick up some of those calls that maybe you didn't in the first couple years of your career. And he mentioned it too after the game last night. He's like, we got to get to the free throw line more. You know, we're driving to the basket and that's all good and great. But, you know, when we're not getting to the free throw line, it kind of negates everything we're doing. And he's totally spot on. We said that a, a few days ago on our episode. It's like if Boylan wants to attack inside out and he wants all of his guys driving to the basket and learning how to finish around the rim, the guy's got to get to the free throw line too. And that's that, that's part in how to draw contact, how to finish at the rim. And, you know, in parts that too is like Levine isn't getting some of those calls and that's going to happen. So, hey, while we're on this topic real quick, as a Bulls fan, I think it's our duty to push Zach Levine into the All-Star game. You know, he's 7th in voting right now. He was 6th when the polls came out before. I think it's our duty as Bulls fans. We need to push Zach Levine into the All-Star game. And I think it's as simple as all we have to do is tweet his name and then the hashtag NBA vote on Twitter. And all you have to do is retweet, and one retweet equals a vote. So I think as Bulls Nation, we need to push his name into the NBA All-Star game this season because he's the only dude on that list from the Chicago Bulls. I'd like to see Zach Levine in the All-Star game. Sorry, just a side note I mean, on that. Yeah, I think a lot of people felt like he had a decent shot when the season started because remember, like the first handful of games, Levine was pouring in 30-plus points on a nightly basis. We were all saying, oh my gosh, look at this. You know, we we had our our doubts and our skepticisms about what kind of Zach Levine we'd get this season. His full healthy first full healthy season in a Bulls uniform, coming off the ACL uh, shortened season, and because Markinen was out, because you know Dunn was nursing an injury, and Bobby got hurt early, all of a sudden Levine was asked to carry a big load for the Bulls offensively. As the Bulls started to get healthier, Levine's scoring kind of fell off. Some of it was he hit a bit of a shooting slump, and some of it was he wasn't being asked to do as much. So. He's not leading the league or even in the top, you know, five or he's probably falling out of the top 10 at this point as far as points per game in the NBA. So, I mean, do I think Levine deserves an all-star nod? It's tough. Even in the East, like, I don't know if I would put any of those people ahead of him that are or, or I don't know if I put Levine ahead of any of the people that are currently ahead of him as far as the votes for guards in the East. I think that's a hard a hard argument to make and the other factor is guess what the Bulls are 10 and 31 hard for a guy on a team that bad to be getting an all-star nod. yeah well I agree every with everything you just said Matt totally agree with you but I'm going to tell you what that is all 100% completely negated by the fact that Dwayne Wade is second in all-star voting for guards was, in the Eastern Conference. I was going to say, if there's anyone on that list who shouldn't be above Zach Levine, it's probably yep. Dwayne Wade. So, I don't care. It, it, that's that's part of the all-star game, too. It's like, yes, 
most fan bases are going to vote for guys that have had really good seasons so far. Like eight, 75% of those votes are for guys for that. And then the other 25% is like, oh, let's vote for guys that uh, we just love or fan bases that I, are really supportive. Like, look at DeMarcus Cousins. Right, like, he hasn't played a game all season. He's in top 10. Hasn't played a single game. Case in point, and I'm sorry, here we go. I'm going to get myself in trouble with all the Rose stands that listen to this show. Derek Rose is narrowly trailing Steph Curry and in second place among guards getting votes in the Western Conference. He has nearly 2 million votes, trailing only Steph Curry with 2,094,000 and change. That is absurd. It is NBA fans being stupid and standing for their guy. And I'm sorry, you could talk about Derrick Rose's comeback season and the feel-good story for him in Minnesota this season. And he had a, he dropped a 50-point game, and he's playing all these great games for Minnesota. And, you know, oh, we're all so happy for him, whatever, whatever. I'm not even going to talk about his off-the-court stuff, which, yes, it's kind of been resolved at this point, but it's still there. It's still a thing that went on. And to me, it's, it's a really shocking thing that the people still stand for Rose as hard as they do because of that stuff. But, I mean, honestly, second place among West Conference guards ahead of James Harden, Westbrook, Clay, Dame, DeRozan, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. I mean, come on. That's why, like, the NBA fan vote for All-Star, it's, it's absurd. It's stupid. It's pointless. That's why it's my, like, my point is, like, okay, if that's the way this is going to go, let's, let's, Let's show people that we are really one of the best fan bases out there. Let's push our guy Zach Levine into the All-Star game. Let's give him a little bump. That's all I'm saying. Because this fan voting thing is a little bit ridiculous. Like you had mentioned. Like, Luka Doncic is second in All-Star voting if we're front court players. Kyle Kuzma's in the top ten. Like, come on. Kyle Kuzma. Draymond Green. Like, Draymond Green's a good player, but he's not having that great of a season. DeMarcus Cousins hasn't played a single game all year. You mentioned Derrick Rose is second in voting for guards. Lonzo Ball, dude, Lonzo Ball's in the top 10. Like, come on. Uh, You go to the Eastern Conference, like, cool. Vince Carter, I get it. Cool story. Awesome. Fantastic. Great. Awesome guy. Great. Awesome. Fantastic that you're, you're getting all these votes, but seventh in front court voting, really? Really? And then you go to the guards, and then you look after Zach Levine. Like, everybody ahead of Zach Levine outside of Dwayne Wade, I would agree, okay. They probably all deserve nods. Agreed. But then you look beyond Zach Levine. You got Jeremy Lin, Goran Dragic, and then Bradley Beal. So, let's let's be a good fan base. Let's push Zach Levine in there. So, uh, that's all I'm, I'm just, saying. Like, let's be a good fan base with this ridiculous all-star voting, this ridiculous fan voting, and push our guy Zach Levine in. I... Okay, I, I see where you're coming from, Jordan, but I, I have to ask you, um, do you want to push our guy Zach Levine in because you want to have a Chicago Bull represented on the All-Star team versus do you actually believe that Zach Levine deserves to make the All-Star team? Those are two different things, and I again, it's probably as, as unpopular as my my. Rose stands are psychotic take, but I don't know. You're saying let's push our guy Zach Levine in. If I'm trying to be objective here, I don't know if Zach Levine deserves to be on the all-star team. This is a conversation that I think I want to build an argument for because I, for what Zach Levine did in his first six weeks with the garbage team the Bulls had to play with, the usage, the points per game he was scoring, 
like all of that. I want to build an argument, Matt, and maybe we can we can teeter and have this conversation on tomorrow's episode because I really do think that there is there's a good argument for this. The thing I want to leave off on is you said that uh, you didn't know if, if Zach Levine was still in top 10 in scoring. I just wanted to let you know he is 15th. He's 15th. Yes. He is 15th yeah. at, 20, at 23.5 points per game. A couple names that are behind him right now are Kyrie Irving, DeMar DeRozan, Carl Anthony Towns, Clay Thompson, Russell Westbrook, CJ McCollum, and John Wall. So those are some names. But I, I do want to have this conversation. Maybe we can do that on a segment on tomorrow's episode. But I will leave you with this. Yes, I do believe Zach Levine is an all-star. I do. That's that, that's fair. I, I, I like I don't think it's it's a ridiculous opinion. Um I, I don't necessarily even think it's an incorrect opinion. I'm just saying it's not an automatic one for me. Even as a Bulls fan who wants to believe in Zach Levine as an all-star caliber player, whether it's this season or the next, if you're looking at this season, he's kind of fallen off after the crazy fast start. 23 and a half points per game is still impressive. He still had a decent shooting year, uh, all things considered. But like to me, it's not automatic. If I remove the label of Bulls fan and just look at it objectively to say that he deserves to be Again, outside of the ancient farewell tour, Dwayne Wade, don't know if he deserves to be ahead of anybody else on that list. That's fair, too. In the NBA fan voting, that's fair. I don't think he's he deserves to be ahead of anybody else. I mean, right. You're right. No, there's nobody else on that list. I don't think he, he deserves to be ahead of right now. You're right. Uh, it, on that guard list and maybe even on that front court list. I mean, he's tied with Vince Carter. I put him ahead of Vince Carter for sure. Um, but you're right. I want to have this conversation before. The last thing I'll leave, though, is you're right. If I take my Bulls fan hat off for a second, I think my realist ob- objective take would be Zach Levine would be an alternate. He'd be a, one of those guys that uh, would be thrown in the pool, wouldn't start, but would be kind of one of those guys that is like the the eighth or the tenth guy that's on the all-star team. You know, every I know every team in the NBA doesn't get one player. But he would be kind of that guy if that happened. And uh, the other thing is we still have to wait and see. Like, this could change. Levine could, you know, take a significant leap comparatively to what we've seen with the fan voting thus far, where the first returns had him at sixth, and now he's dropped to seventh. Kyle Lowry jumped ahead of him. Um, versus what the player, who the players vote for and who the media votes for. And maybe Zach Levine gets more of those votes than he's getting in fan votes right now. That's true. I, I I think I think it's it, it it's not necessarily likely because again, as I said, the big factor of you know very bright flashing red lights. The Bulls are ten and thirty one. People aren't usually looking to make their All Star nominations at teams that are at the bottom of their standings. So because of that, Levine might get looked over, but there there might be some around the league, players, media, whoever, whoever to say. Yeah, the, the Bulls have had a tough season, but Levine has been carrying them through that tough season, and he might earn some votes that the way. The last thing I have for you, and we can circle back to this on tomorrow's episode, but, man, I had to laugh. I really did, because just reading the article that Sean Hyken wrote for NBC Sports Chicago last night, he talked to Zach Levine, and you know how I had mentioned yesterday, you know, Stefan Noe had 
posted it posted some quotes from Portis and also from Boylan after the Nets game about how the Nets shot 46 threes to oppose the Bulls what 18 threes that they shot on Sunday and said that's not really what we're going to do right now mm-hmm. the headline really the headline that comes out after is like the Bulls aren't shooting threes right now but that could change with Zach Levine and like the quote from Zach Levine is so hilarious because it kind of contradicts everything that Boylan is saying. And it's like, Zach Levine's like, I'm going to go out and make it, a, make it a point that I'm going to go out and shoot more threes. And that's that's something Zach Levine should be doing. He's one of the best three-point shooters we have, him and Markinen are. So he should be doing that. But I've, I, I, had to, I had to laugh because the, the quote here is, we haven't talked about a number like that. This is coming from Boylan. We haven't talked about a number like that referencing the three-pointers in the differential against the Nets. Take your open shots. We're focused on getting the ball downhill, trying to drive the ball, trying to get point, uh, paint points, and then spray out for open shots. That coming from Jim Boylan. That was after Sunday night's game. This is from Jim Boylan just a few days after. We need open shots. We talk about players getting open shots and finishing plays, and we have some solid in-the-paint numbers, but our offense efficiency on those possessions isn't great because we don't finish or we don't spray out, or we do spray out and we don't make it. It looks So it looks like it's empty, but to me, it's not. I see growth and I see development. So it's like he's saying we're going to work inside out, and that's the best key to success, and then it's like, Okay, we're doing that, but we're not doing it at a high efficiency rate. And then when we we are spraying out, we're knocking not knocking down those shots. So it's like he's kind of doubling down on the fact that he doesn't want to shoot threes, and even the way that he's trying to get the Bulls team to run their offense isn't working. But we're gonna still try to grind that out a little bit. I just thought it was funny that like the theme with Zach Levine, and I think we should pay attention to this more and more as the season continues and at the end of the season is anytime Zach Levine has to has to do something that maybe the coach it doesn't directly align with what the coach wants to do he either says does shows a little bit of an emotion that is like gonna gonna deter to do the opposite and look in this case shooting more threes please do Zach Levine please do because if we're gonna be successful successful at all if you're gonna take another step in your development as a player we need you to shoot threes and we need you to shoot threes at a high clip but I had to laugh because both of those statements are just like in a matter of days they're like kind of contradictory to me and I just I had to laugh at that yeah I think honestly there's a there's a non-zero chance that Levine is the one who ends up getting Boylan fired because it's players over coaches always in this league and Levine does not seem to have a very great relationship with Boylan. I agree. Um, they clearly have a difference of opinion as far as what they should be doing offensively. And you know, Boylan can talk all he wants to about finishing better at the rim. And uh, yeah, P.S. The Bulls are second to last in the league in free throw attempts. That needs to improve. But the Bulls are 26th in the NBA in three-point attempts per game at 26.6, well under the league average. And there is an issue of outside of Levine and Markkinen, and I guess now Bobby, who is back and has shot the three-ball well in his first two games back. I think he was like three of four in his first game. He was three of six last night. They don't have anything. Like, Blakeney is not a great three-point shooter as much as he loves to shoot the ball. Their second unit small ball of Blakeney, Archie, and Shaq Harrison, there's no three-point shooting there. Uh, You know, Archie 
his three-point shooting has fallen off a cliff after a little bit of an uptick earlier this season. Shaq Harrison is terrified to shoot threes, can't shoot him at all. He's shooting him in like at the 20th percent or like 20-something percent. Like this team has a dearth of people who can't shoot threes. So some of it is on Boylan to allow them to try and shoot threes when they can. And by all means, Zach has a green light behind the three-point line. Markkinen has a green light behind the three-point line. Outside of those guys and maybe Bobby Portis on some nights, the sad reality is nobody else on this team can shoot threes. So true. Here's the last quote I'll leave our listeners with. This is from Zach Levine. Sometimes you don't have the personnel to become a team that's in the top 10 in three-point attempts and makes and field goal percentage. Levine said Wednesday morning at shoot-around in Portland. I think we can take more, but we'd have to be hunting for them, and certain guys have to hunt for them. But I think if we've been doing a good job getting to the paint, we've got to get some more foul calls and get to the line. For as much as we drive the ball, we don't get to the free throw line enough, and that's offsetting it. So if you're not getting to the free throw line enough and you're not shooting threes, there's there's where the problem comes in. Yeah, that's basically exactly what I just said. <laughs> that's pretty damn telling, right? Yep. I mean, and he's he's not wrong. He's no. not wrong. Most efficient and easy ways to get points in the NBA these days are get to the free throw line and knock down three pointers. Like that is what today's NBA is. And he's and he's right too. The guys that should be shooting the threes without naming any names, he knows it. It should be him, Markinen, and Portis. And when Valentine comes back next season, it should be him. Those four guys. And you know, as we said earlier, maybe Chris Dunn could learn how to shoot threes confidently. Yeah. But your high maybe a year or two down the line, Wendell really evolves his game and expands his range and is becomes a, a confident and competent three point shooter. But right now, that's not the case. Yeah, your high clip three point shooter should be Markinen, Levine, and and Bobby off the bench. And Bobby off the bench. There you go. So something to monitor, right? And if Zach Levine gets gets voted into the All Star game. Can only imagine what kind of boost that's going to have to uh, to his ego, and I, I, I hope it's for the good. Though I hope it, it, he brings that energy to the team as opposed to maybe maybe the Jimmy Baller route. But I won't even I won't even put that on us right now. I'm not going to not even put that on us right now. I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. You can follow us on social media at Locked On Bulls at Jordan C Malley and at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com, and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Before you use AI to transform your agency, you need to begin with trust. Introducing WatsonX Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. 
Learn more at ibm.com/federal. IBM. Let's create.